It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel round his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped round him. And welcome to the second part of Better Together. Now, I'm just going to tell you that in the first service, I hadn't told my husband, Steve, that I was doing this message. So he nearly fell off his chair when Andrew introduced me. So I think, Steve, you're all good now, aren't you? You know, you know what's going to happen. Now, it's not because we don't talk, honestly. It's just because I wanted to avoid getting nervous, and so I just thought, right, I'll just con contain this. But I think we're going to have an interesting lunch today. Um, now, last week, we kicked off this series, Better Together, and we're looking at some of the one another sayings in the Bible and how they can strengthen us as a church family. Last week, we looked at that, that kind of foundational one, really, of love one another. And today, I'm going to look at how we are better together as we serve one another. How we demonstrate our love for God and for others with the way that we invest our energy, our time, and our talents in serving other people. Now, when I started to think of this subject, preparing for this, I was like, well, looking at Kingsgate Church... This is really like preaching to the converted. Because there, one of the first things that struck me when I came to Kingsgate was just this high level of servant-heartedness and sacrificial giving that you saw going on all over the place behind the scenes. Wherever you look, there are these just amazing people that were going the extra mile and serving with excellence. And really now, I've been here nearly 20 years, and I get to work alongside some of you. And again, I'm amazed at just, and, and really humbled actually, by just the amazing servant-heartedness that goes on here, week in, week out, year in, year out. You know, if somebody said to me, Jazz, give me, show me proof that we're better together, I would say, come and look at my church. But let's just have a moment of honesty. What were your first thoughts when I said, oh, we're going to be talking about serving one another today? Did you think, great? Or did you think, oh, great, it's the summer holidays. Give us a break, Jasmine. Did you think, tick, I'm already on a rotor? Or maybe you thought, do you 
know how busy my life is? Actually, all I do is serve others. Why don't you do a sermon series on how to get more me time? You know, I know that even though there's such a high level of serving that goes on here at Kingsgate, there will be some of you that have grown weary, some of you that are maybe going through the motions and it's become about duty for you. Maybe some of you have given up and maybe some of you have never even got started. It's on the one day when I have time to-do list. Now, I know for myself that I've felt a number of different thoughts about serving over the years, and simply today I want to share a few things that I've been learning and am learning on my journey of serving. One of the first things that I have to remember is that we serve one another from approval, not for approval. You saw that clip from John 13 that we played at the beginning, And what we were seeing there was Jesus' public ministry coming to an end. And there he was, about to face his death. And there he is, having supper with his disciples. And he picks up a towel and begins to wash dirty feet. Dirty feet of even one who was going to betray him which just makes it even more remarkable. Now, this is such an amazing story of servant-heartedness, but it is also, I think here, where we get a glimpse into the very heart and soul of Jesus, the inner place from which he served. Let's remind ourselves what John 13, 3 says. Jesus knew that the Father had delivered all things to his hands, that he had come from God, and was returning to God. This really impacted me. I think it's so important. Before Jesus did something, he knew something. All through his ministry here, he knew. He knew everything had been delivered into his hands. He knew where he was coming from and where where he'd come from and where he was going. He knew he was a beloved son. He'd heard that spoken over him. And he knew that he had the Father's love and approval. And from that place, from that place of absolute approval, he picked up a towel. Now, this is something that I found hard to grasp at first. I became a Christian when I was 15. Um, my childhood was challenging. I had an alcoholic father who was very abusive, and he left when I was very young, and we never saw him again. My mum, at this time, she began a search for something, and this search um, met, ended up in her joining the Jehovah's Witnesses. So if, this is the kind of environment that I was raised, and... One of the things that um, we had to do in the Jehovah's Witnesses was we had to work hard. And one of those things was knocking on doors, selling Watchtower and Awake magazines. Now, I knew this was something that I should be doing, but I used to find it absolutely mortifying and embarrassing. So I would knock on the door and then just go, please don't let there be anybody in, please don't let there be anybody in. So which it really defeated the object of the exercise. Well, one day my mum comes to me and she tells me that we were gonna leave the Jehovah's Witnesses because she had found the truth and she'd become a Christian. 
I was a bit confused by all this, and so I said, mm, I think, actually, I don't, I don't get what's going on here, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stop going anywhere. And what, what had happened for her was that she had met a couple called Jeff and Kay Lucas, who had come to start a church in Peterborough. And although I'd vowed, look, I'm not getting involved in religion again, she invited me to a baptism, and I went along. Now, when I walked into that building, something just impacted my heart. And I sensed something was different. And I heard the gospel message that we've heard, that Jesus loved me, that he died so that my sins could be forgiven, that I could have a new start and a, and a, a new purpose in him. And I gave my life to Jesus that night. And what began there was the most significant and wonderful relationship that I've ever experienced in my life. Now, I remember intuitively kind of thinking, oh, I need to be part of a church and I need to play a part. And I, I know that my heart was, God, I want to serve you and I want to love you for the rest of my life. And what I hadn't grasped, though, was how much God loved me and approved of me. I got used to thinking that God's approval of me was based on how good I was, how hard I worked, and how well I did. And so I found myself in this constant cycle of, okay, trying hard to do well, trying to do better, feeling like I was striving, and then it was about performance, and then it was about overwork, and I just couldn't get off this cycle of guilt. And often, I just felt like I was failing all of the time. Here I was wanting God to be my focus, and actually, my focus was always about on me and how I wasn't good enough. One of the most important things and the most significant things that has happened to me on my journey has been the revelation of how much God loves me and how much he approves of me. You know, I've ha it's happened in different ways. I've had moments where I've just had God just speak just so closely to my heart, Jasmine, you're approved. And I've also had to go through this process of replacing lies that I believed, some of them from early childhood, with the truth. And the truth is, and I know it now more than ever before, is I am approved. And that's changed everything. I serve from a place of approval, not for approval. So do you know that this morning? Do you know that you are approved? Do you know that you're a son? Do you know that you're a daughter? Do you know that you're not a slave or an orphan? You are approved. And before you do a thing, before you pick up a towel, you're approved. So we serve from approval, not for approval. And the second thing that I've been learning on my journey is that we serve one another with heaven as our audience. I heard this said at a conference a few years ago, and it was just one of those things that really struck me. I thought, I'm going to remember that. Heaven is my audience. 
I think this is actually what the Apostle Paul was saying in Colossians 3 when he wrote, Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. You know, we are called to serve others. And some things we do, a lot of people might see. Other things we do, not many people will see. And some things we'll do, nobody will see. But there is an audience of one. Your heavenly Father, who always sees. And remembering this has helped me learn that serving with heaven as your audience sustains you. You know, it can feel really good when you're serving people, when you meet a need, when you know you've made a difference. And I've had some brilliant moments when, uh, in serving and serving alongside others. And you know what? I've had some not-so-brilliant moments. Sometimes serving is costly. Sometimes it's tiring. Sometimes it requires sacrifice. Sometimes it's not glamorous. But what you do in serving God and others, either within this Kingsgate family, within your own families, within your workplace, wherever you serve others, people might not see. They might not see how you go above and beyond. They might not see how how you... Yet how costly it is for you. But as Matthew 6 tells us, God always sees. He always sees. And when you know that you have heaven as your audience, it's enough. You don't need to look for a well done. You don't need a pat on the back or recognition. It means you don't give up. It means you don't get resentful when you don't get that. Keep going, because God sees. Bill Johnson, who leads Bethel Church in California, says this, I've never met someone who knows their identity and the richness they have in God, who has a need for recognition and promotion. You know, we want a culture of honor and thankfulness, don't we? But sometimes you may never get a thank you here on earth. But remember... God sees, and you're not home yet. The second thing that this helps me with is that when I serve with heaven as my audience, I can serve others, we can serve others without comparison. Comparing yourself is never a good thing, is it? You can either end up proud or you can end up condemned. But when I serve with heaven as my audience, the question that I'm asking is, What do you want of me, Lord? What do you want of me? I had the absolute privilege a few years ago of going to Kolkata in India um, to see some of our compassion projects that we had out there. And I was able to visit the place where Mother Teresa devoted her life to serving the poor in the slums of Kolkata. Now, I was able to go to where she lived and look in her little basic bedroom and, you know what, I saw that uncomfortable bed and that basic room and I thought, oh my gosh, I couldn't sleep in that. 
Never mind that I couldn't go and serve in the slums day in, day out in Kolkata. I was just thinking I couldn't sleep in that bed. But then you read the sign in that room and it says, Mother Teresa chose not to sleep in her bed because the people that she served didn't get to sleep in a bed. So she actually slept on the floor. You know, I, I stood there and thought, oh, God, forgive me. I just, I don't think I'm saved. <laughs> now, I know that in picking Mother Teresa as an example, I'm picking one of the most extreme examples that you can in somebody that devoted her whole life to serving others. Now, I think it's good to be challenged by other people's lives, isn't it? But then I felt God remind me, I haven't called you to be Mother Teresa. I've called you to be Jasmine. With your family, with your responsibilities, in the church that I've placed you, you're called to serve the people in your world. And all I ask is that you're faithful with what I've called you to be and what I've put in your hand. And you know, that looks different for each and every one of us. I have looked at people here at Kingsgate and thought, how do you do it? You know, sometimes I've, at times I've met people and they're here on a Sunday. I say, how are you? And they say, fine, I've just come from night shift. And I think, how do you do that? I am most miserable without sleep. You have people that you hear about what they're juggling in their lives, their responsibilities. They're being amazing kingdom ambassadors out there in the workplace. Loads of responsibility. And then they're here faithfully serving on a Sunday. And I do think, how do you do that? But that's not the question I should be asking. The question I need to ask is, what do you want of me, Lord? We don't have to compare ourselves with what others do or don't do. My benchmark, our benchmark, is not the people beside us. It's the God above us. Now, we're all in different seasons of life, aren't we? And some of you might be studying, you're working in the marketplace. Some of you might be retired. Some of you are going to be raising young families. And we're all in different seasons, and seasons change. When I was a newly married um, wife, I decided that one of the ways that I was going to devote myself to my husband was to make amazing packed lunches. So you need to see them. They are works of art. They were works of art. Um, little messages, little notes written on a banana. Now, one of his colleagues one day saw his packed lunchbox and said, it won't last, Steve. <laughs> It won't last. Now, I actually took that as a personal challenge, and I thought, I'll show you. And I can honestly tell you that 35, nearly 35 years later, it didn't last. <laughs> Seasons change, Steve. <laughs> 
seasons change. Now, one of those things that made a change, which is why the lunch boxes went to was was because I was raising three children. So when I was serving there, a lot of my serving took place in the home, and actually I had limited time to what I could bring to church. You know, I thought that if I got to church with three small children, that they were all dressed and my shoes matched. That was that was a result. <laughs> But we're all in different seasons. We all have different capacities. I don't know the challenges that are going on in your life. I do think that we can expand our capacities, and sometimes we have to put ourselves in situations where we are stretched. But don't compare. Don't compare what you do with the person next to you. It's so important to examine our lives and say, God, are my priorities right? Has my life become just all about me? Am I making room for others? I don't know the answer to that. Your friend doesn't know the answer to that. You need to ask your audience. Now, serving with heaven as our audience has another side to it. And for me, this is one thing that I've had to really learn. Ensure that as heaven is your audience, that you have an audience with heaven. Make room for this. We saw, didn't we? We see that in Jesus' ministry. He made time to be with the Father. Take time to be with him. Take time to let him replenish you and let him speak to you. Serving others is not about being a service provider with no boundaries in your life, no time for replenishment. As I read recently, we want... Bread to offer others that is warm from the oven of our intimacy with God. Isn't that beautiful? We want bread to offer others that is warm from the intimacy of our, with God. Now, one of the things that I've had to do in all of this is learn to slow down. Because I have two speeds, fast forward or fast asleep. There isn't any in between. But when I rush through life, I can miss it. I can miss the God prompts. I can miss hearing what he's saying to me and what he wants me to do. I can miss just seeing the person in front of me. It's like, here you go, got to get on. I see all around me in Kingsgate just so how beautifully you take time to see the one, to serve the one. If I don't create space in my life to refresh myself and to replenish myself, when I do see a need, there's nothing in the tank left to give. I know I've pulled back on some of the things that God's wanted from me because there's been no fuel. I've left no margin. Make a daily heaven, an audience with heaven part of your life. Now, we heard last week, didn't we, about the, how vital church is, how it's not to be an extension to our lives. It's meant to be, this church family is meant to be part of the foundation of our lives and of our journey. And I know from that 15-year-old girl that met Jesus to the grandmother that I am now today, it has been an absolutely vital part of my life. I can't do it alone, and I wouldn't want to do it alone. And so... The third point is that we serve one another because we're a family. 
I've seen Kingsgate grow over the years, and at the same time, I've seen my own family grow. And I now have two fantastic son-in-laws, um, Alex, who married Rachel last year, and then Matt, who married Abby about six years ago. Now, when Matt was dating Abby, he would come down from Manchester to visit her. And, you know, I wanted to make him really welcome, although we were sussing him out. I wanted to make him really welcome. Well, you know, it's your firstborn. You've got to make sure who you're giving them away to. But, um, and I, so what I would do is I would, it would all be about, what can I do for Matt? Matt, would you like coffee? Would you like cake? Would you like food? And the answer, I don't know why I asked, because the answer was always yes. Matt, you don't need to do anything. You just relax and spend time with Abby. We'll serve you. Now, over the months, Matt became a very precious part of our family. Now, one day, he jokingly said to a request, well, I think it was half-jokingly, it was a request to pick up a towel, in this case, a tea towel. Matt said, I'm a guest. And I said, no, you're not, you're family. <laughs> Now, in families, everyone has their part to play, and Matt's role in our family has become meat man. If there's a family celebration, then often the request is for steak, and Matt's in charge of the steaks. And he likes getting them perfect. He likes to do everybody's to order, and he likes getting them perfect. Now, I know that this is a very highly skilled job, because Matt tells us. <laughs> Talk about blood, sweat, and tears. Now, I was trying to think, what do I do in my family? What's my role? Now, thankfully, I have a very domesticated husband who has been trained very well over the years. But I was thinking, what do I do? And I know it doesn't sound like much, but the one thing that I do is that I am able to change the toilet rolls <laughs> and take the old holder off the holder. Does anybody else have families that just seem incapable of actually putting, yes, hands up, all over the place? Now, I'm not just being humble here. I don't actually consider this to be my greatest gift. For me, it's something that has to be done. But the thing is, family works best, doesn't it, when everyone plays their part. And that's the same in the Kingsgate family. You may be new to Kingsgate, and you're so welcome, and we want to serve you. We want you to be welcomed. We want you to feel at home. But if you consider yourself to be part of the family, then there's a challenge to you today, and that is pick up a towel. Pick up a towel. We want everyone in Kingsgate doing the thing that they do best and the thing that they enjoy. So if we want everybody cooking steak. But sometimes we just have to change the toilet rolls. Everyone's needed. Now, I know that you can look at Kingsgate as a whole and think, oh, well, it's a big family, everything's covered. But that's not true. You have something to give, and without you, something's missing. 1 Peter 4.10 says in the Passion Translation, every believer, say every believer, has received grace gifts. So use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many colored tapestries of God's grace. 
You know, a church family is not built on a few talented people. It's everybody. We're better together when everyone plays their part. And without you playing your part, something's missing. We're not better together. And secondly, in a family that loves one another, you're never going to sit by, are you, and see somebody in your family that you love overloaded. But some people here are overloaded because not everyone's playing their part. It's love, not duty, that holds a family together. And love will do whatever is needed. So we serve because we're a family. But I guess the big question is why? Why do we serve? Why do we serve as a family? You know, why is often something that I'm asked by my husband, Steve. Why, why, Jasmine, do we have so many cushions on the bed that we have to keep taking off and putting on every day? Why, Jasmine, do you reverse out of the drive without looking in your mirror? Why? I don't know why. I mean, look, we're talking four in 35 years, four cars. So it's just, but it averages, what, one a decade nearly? So why did Jesus pick up the towel to serve? Why do we need to pick up a towel? I remember when I first met Dave and Karen, I wasn't coming to Kingsgate, it was in about 1990, and I met this young, vibrant couple, and they shared their vision to see lives transformed, and they shared this vision to see a big church. Now, I honestly thought, oh, that's so sweet, (laughs) and so never going to happen. But then when we started coming to Kingsgate, I realized that there were hundreds of people by this stage who not only believed this, but they were willing to play their part in making this vision become a reality. Now, when I look back over the last 20 years as part of this family, I'm overwhelmed, seriously overwhelmed by what God's done. This is not a perfect church. They don't exist. But I have met with God here on countless occasions. One of the most significant encounters with God happened to me in the parent and baby room of this building. I've been healed. I've found freedom. I've grown. I've discovered my purpose. I've made amazing friends. I've discovered what my gifts are. I've had the joy of seeing my own children and now my grandchildren grow up in this church. And none of this could have happened without you. Many of you that have had a part to play in my life are sitting here today, and I can't thank you enough. Thank you for giving and serving and sacrificing and overflowing week in, week out, year in, year out. You are amazing. The thing is, I know that many of you will have a similar story But there are more to come. There are more people to come. People like you and me that don't yet know that there's a God in heaven who approves of them. That doesn't yet know that there's a place that they can call home. That they don't yet know that they can find freedom and healing and hope and forgiveness. And that's why we serve Yes, our serving helps us discover our gifts and find our purpose and it refines our character. But the why is, it is all about 
people. And what we do when we serve is we put value on the very thing that Lord, the Lord puts value on, which is people. People are the why. Let's not go from Sunday to Sunday and event to event and forget the why. It's all about people. You know, rotors are how we do it. They're not why we do it. It's all about people. Now, let's just go back to the beginning and imagine for a moment that we're looking through the window of that upper room. And we're not entirely sure what's going on here, but when we see Jesus, what we're probably going to think is we're looking at a lowly slave washing dirty feet. And yet what we were actually looking at, what we're actually looking at is greatness. I've been thinking, I wonder what happened in the disciples' hearts as they saw Jesus washing their feet. Do you think maybe their hearts were recalibrated? Do you think the ones that had been jostling for position and arguing over who was the greatness, do you think that they realized in that moment that they were seeing what greatness looked like? Greatness looked like picking up the towel and serving. Now, I don't know where you are on this journey of serving, whether it's something that's new to you, whether you've grown weary, whether you've never picked up a towel, whether you've thrown in the towel. But I do know that when we come from a place of approval, when we know that heaven is our audience and we outwork this within our church family, then we are responding to the call to greatness, the call to serve one another. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you have shown us the full extent of your love. Not, you did that not just by picking up a towel, but you went to the cross. Let our lives be a response to the way that you've served us as we serve one another. In Jesus' name, amen.